This podcast is called Obsessed. Joseph Scrimshaw and his guest get some secrets off their chest. You should listen. It's the best. Hello and welcome to Obsessed with me, Joseph Scrimshaw. I'm sitting in my apartment with an awesome person, Mike Drucker. Hello. Thank you so much for coming and doing this. Thank you for having me. This is great. You have a great apartment. Well, thank you. I, I have been... <laughs> at first, I thought maybe people were lying to me when they came over. Right. And it was like, I thought maybe that's just an LA thing. We're like, oh, nice apartment. Right. And like, oh, no, enough people have said it. I will say, now that I, I just moved here from New York like a month ago, and the difference between New York and LA apartments, not as a bit, like in a real life quality of living situation is amazing. Like, L.A. ones are just much nicer? L.A. ones are like houses. It's like, oh, this is like a small-sized house. Like, if this was a ranch house, I'd be like, yeah, there's a ranch house. And in New York, like, you're like, well, the ceilings are high. <laughs> They're like little rooms from the movie Saw? Or, yeah. like, are there torture devices? The what bathrooms is it? are, like, from Saw. They're, okay. like, dirty and broken down. Like, the apartment I just left, uh, all the grout had disappeared from under the toilet. So things would, like, like not like roaches all the time, but, like, you'd see, like, a centipede or two would come out from under that, like, the toilet area. Okay. So, Saw-like. Yeah, when you have to say not roaches all the time <laughs> as a positive thing. Right, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's understandable. Uh, so I've been kicking off the podcast lately. I get questions from listeners about yeah. something they're obsessed with and then a, a question to follow up on that. So I would love it if you would help me answer this person's question. Please. Uh, this is from Matthew Cravey. He says, I'm obsessed with theme parks. Okay. What low or no cost thing can a park do to increase your enjoyment of the experience? What low or no cost thing can a park do to in uh, increase your enjoyment of the experience? Um, I love theme parks, too. Theme parks were one of the things I considered doing for this. Oh, really? Cool. Um, what can they do? Um, shade. Shade for lines. Oh, so just a tree? Yeah, a tree or, you know, like a canvas awning. Um, also, I find that when parks play, have like little fun videos they play while you're in line. Those yeah. Because like you're distracted. All you need to do when you're in line is be distracted. And we have phones now, but phones die fast. Um, but like a little distraction is always good. Also, um, I think there's a scientific thing, but when they wind the line, it feels shorter than when it's just one long continuous line. Oh, right. Okay. It just psychologically, you're like, oh, I'm moving, even though it's the same actual physical length. Right. So plant a large tree right. and then wind the line exactly around under it. it. Around so, yeah, it. Yeah. Around it. <laughs> and then screens. Yeah. I know exactly what you mean about the, the waiting in line experience. Yeah. I went to Disneyland for the first time. I went to the Indiana Jones ride, and yeah. the line is amazing. And then yeah. I, I was not impressed by the ride, and I was like, can I go wait in the line again? <laughs> the line was awesome. There's a few uh, there's a few things like that. I also like uh, Universal Studios are slowly losing their Marvel properties because of the Disney purchase. But yeah. the Hulk ride, the Hulk ride's great, but the Hulk ride had this very <laughs> 90s cartoon that went with it that was so much fun. Oh, that's a bummer. That's yeah. fun. The other thing that I would say that a low or no cost thing to, for me yeah. would be if they advertised as a plus that the teenagers who work here are going to be surly <laughs> yeah if so they, like yeah. you want it you're like one of those it. restaurants where they're like rude to you and you're like ah, i got the experience yeah so like when you get off the ride and they're not surly enough right. you're bummed right um i when i went on the mummy at universal uh i remember there was a teenager who wasn't surly but like they're they're supposed to do this like very grim thumbs down thing like you're gonna die on the ride because <laughs> you know they do the thumbs up to like all it's all good they do a thumbs down but it was clear that she was so over it that it was like even her thumbs down was in itself a thumbs down. <laughs> it was like a psychological thumbs down. Yeah, she wasn't committed to yeah. being negative. Right. Yeah. Put your back into that negativity, teen. Come on. Uh, cool. So we're going to get into you and your obsession. So can you start by telling people a little bit about who you are and what you do? Uh, my name is Mike Drucker. I am uh, the head comedy writer on the new Bill Nye show on Netflix. That's awesome. Which is crazy. That's a new job for me. I have to get used to saying that. 
Uh, before that, I was a writer at uh, Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon, and before that, Late Night with Jimmy Fallon, and before that, I did comedy videos for IGN, and before that, I was a writer at Nintendo. Oh, awesome. Yeah. Right. So we'll talk a little bit about that, but you do stand-up as well, I do stand-up right? as well. I also do stand-up. I always feel like stand-up's like this, like, it's almost like I have to remi- not remind myself I'm a stand-up, but... I do so many other things with that. I'm like, yeah, of course I'm a stand-up. <laughs> yeah, like, just by it's, osmosis it's from all like the other things It's almost like someone forgets their religion. It's like, yeah, I'm Catholic as well, but you didn't ask me. <laughs> I don't get paid to be I don't Catholic. Get... <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, I'm Catholic. I was raised this way. <laughs> I was just raised mm-hmm. telling dick jokes in bars. Come on, yeah, of course. this is me. <laughs> awesome. So, yeah, we're going to talk a little bit about your obsession, which is Nintendo, is which Nintendo? I'm stoked about. Yeah. I wanted to start by asking, what is your first memory of Nintendo? My first memory of Nintendo was when I was maybe three or four. My sister was about four years older than me. Okay. And so she really wanted a Nintendo because she wanted one. I wanted one, too. (laughs) And I just remember, like, going over uh, either a relative or a friend's house. That's sort of unclear in the memory. But they had the Nintendo. And if you remember, a lot of the original Nintendo Entertainment Systems came with Duck Hunt and Mario on the same cartridge. Right. And I remember... My first memory was me being like, I'm not going to like Mario. Duck Hunt's going to be the game I enjoy. <laughs> like, just this memory of a little kid being like, shooting ducks, that sounds great. Mario, that sounds terrible. A uh, gun or a plumber. Right. Um, yeah, I'll take the gun. Exactly. Yeah. And that was like before everything was branded and like sold to you. It might have even been before the Super Mario Super Show. Okay. Um, or like concurrent in a way I was not aware of it. So I, I just remember really thinking that Duck Hunt was going to be the best thing ever and Mario was going to be boring. Okay. And were you quickly disabused? Oh, yeah, this? yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I, like, even as a little kid, I was like, oh, this is amazing. Like, you jump around, you jump on things, you jump on turtles. You know, and, like, you'd flip through the book and you'd, like, learn the names of everything. And I had wall stickers, uh, you know, like, removable Nintendo wall stickers. Like, I became obsessed with Nintendo very quickly. As okay, well. so it was the, the branding and the immersive yeah. world that got you? I think so. I think it was the immersive world. I think it was also something... Um, I was so young and I think that was so new that it was almost like, this is me. This is something that's emerging with me. Like it felt like, you know, the way like a lot of people felt about, including me about like the Ninja Turtles. It wasn't, you know, I think that there's a cynical retroactive view, which is also true that it was toys being sold to children. Right. But as a child, you're like, this is something that's emerging with me. Like as I'm becoming sentient, this is becoming a thing and it's guiding you know, my emotions, it's guiding my thought, like, this is what I relate to, because I grew up with it. Right. And even if it is just an absolute stereotype of like, businessmen with cigars going, I know how I'll get them. (laughs) It still created joy. It created so much joy. And it was so much fun. And like, it, and the world building in it, I almost feel like it's, because we've had Mario for so long, it's, easy to forget how weird that world building is yeah you know you have a you have like weird mushroom things and you have a guy with a mushroom on his head and you have a like a princess who was princess toadstool for a long time and then princess peach which is the original japanese and they went they just and it's not important but uh, (laughs) it is to me (laughs) but i think like like looking back like how weird that world is yeah just think about it like it has like traditional swords and sorcery things like castles and princesses and kings but it also has like plumbers and pipes and fireballs and like suits that are magic. Yeah, it's it a is, very weird world. It does feel like a strange mix of like Freudian and like Kafka esque. Yeah. Of like, well, yeah. what if he gets tall and then he gets small? Right. But, yeah. but fire is going to come out, and it's very like it's strangely nightmarish. It's very nightmarish. While also telling like a hero's journey sort of story. Yeah. 
Now, was there also an element of gameplay? Do you think if oh, yeah. Duck Hunt had been immersive and had offered you different flavorful characters to shoot and kill? I, th- I mean, I don't. I, I think so. I mean, my family was also never a big hunting or gun family, okay. even though I grew up in Florida. Uh, so I don't think like there was ever that part of me that was like, oh, this is like what dad does. So like there was nothing to really relate it to me. Um, that said, there is a lot of personality in the game. Like, okay. you know, Duck Hunt was a character in Smash Brothers for a reason. It's because that dog has personality. You hate that dog. You hate that dog. Um, uh, maybe. Maybe if they really put more into it. I just feel like Mario had more of like an instant world for you to get yeah. lost in. And now, when you were playing with the Mario world in your mind, were yeah. you casting yourself as Mario? As the hero who is trying to rescue? I think in my mind as a kid, I was always friends with them. Like, it would always be like, you know, like, uh, like, I I was the fifth member of, like, the Star Fox fleet. Okay. You know, like, and not not like I was a third Mario brother, but more like I was their friend that they would invite along on the journey. (laughs) Come along, Mike. Right, exactly. That's what it was like. Or, like, you know, I would be friends with the Ninja Turtles. It was never, like, I was one. I'd have a favorite one, but I was never, um, I was never them. I was, like associated okay yeah now did you ever experience fury in the actual gameplay was that a part of your experience or were you just too good at the video games did you ever get like frustrated with not being oh able yeah to yeah um definitely i definitely got mad i definitely got mad at mario 2 which is a very weird game um uh mario 2 usa which is doki doki panic in japan um <laughs> i definitely got very frustrated with that there's i i honestly i was very obsessed with video games but i'm and this is still something i suffer with with online games i'm not great at them right okay away. um it's not like i'm i like you know fumble and don't know the controls i'm just not one of those people who can like figure out what hitboxes are right away and like know the flaws in the system that let me like you know counter something in street fighter right so it sounds like you're coming at it from a little bit more of almost like a narrative yeah or flavor perspective you like yeah. you want to experience this and it's not just like i want to win right away to prove i'm the best right i'm not a metagamer i've never been a metagamer which is why i'm terrible at online games i enjoy them but like you know i you know in overwatch i play as mercy because you can just run around healing people and you don't need to be like okay this does 627 damage but if you hit it here it does <laughs> yeah I, I don't have time for that right um so yeah it's definitely Definitely more of like a narrative experience thing. I want an experience. I don't want to, you know, do all the math on a piece of paper and win. Because to me, that it doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah. You want to be immersed in that world. Right. I asked partially about the fury and the rage because it's a memory that sticks with me. Like the first time I was caught just swearing at the top of my lungs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Was at Super Mario. Yeah. Uh, where I was just, you know, I was playing fast and angry and nothing goes well when you play fast and angry. No, and then you lose, you die and you try it again, you die and you get yeah. so mad. Yeah, and my mother heard me swearing from, like, she had gone to the store and like, heard some horrible child swearing <laughs> and then got close and realized it's my horrible yeah, child yeah uh so did you ever have swearing fits do you I ever have swearing fits? i definitely have swearing fits i definitely get mad it's never uh my parents swore a lot so it was never like there was like oh don't do that but it was never like i never got like spanked for it or something okay um but i definitely i think because they were swearing people i definitely amped up the swearing <laughs> um yeah of course i also i do remember though being over friends houses and my friends swearing and them getting into trouble and it being like uh, that a Christmas story moment where like they're really getting yelled at by their parents while I'm sort of like slinking away. Like I didn't I'm not I'm just here. I'm just here for the sleepover. Yeah, I'm just playing some Super Mario. Um, so what other games in the Nintendo canon came to mean something to you the way Super Mario did? Um, Zelda, Legend of Zelda, definitely. Uh, Metroid, a lot of like the core Nintendo franchises meant okay. a lot. There was also like random games that like like Bubble Bobble when I was a kid meant a lot. I think it was just because it was such a fun game. I know nothing about Bubble Bobble. It's it's like a it's um 
I think it's a game by Taito. I could be pronouncing the company name wrong. Somebody correct me. <laughs> but it's a game where you, it's like a co-op game where you play two dragons that spit out bubbles and catch monsters and you jump on them. And it has a really catchy song that gets annoying when it loops for hours. <laughs> um, but I play that a lot with my sister. A lot of it was like stuff that, you know, I play with my sister or my younger brother, like Marble Madness was another game. Okay. I think it was that thing where, you know, as an adult now, I can buy any video game I want. But as a kid, you'd get a video game and you that was, you know, you get something for your birthday and that was it until Christmas. Right. And you sucked all right. joy out of that. Right. You just played the crap out of it. And even if it's a bad game, even if it's a bad game or even if it's a game that you can beat in, you know, half an hour. Um, Double Dragon it's another game like that. Uh, Double Dragon 2. Um, usually co-op <laughs> games. A lot of co-op games. Castlevania. Castlevania was a game that terrified me when I was like five. Oh, really? That it was too creepy? It was so creepy to me, but that's why I kind of liked it. Like, yeah. it, it was scary to me. Like, it's, you know, now it's kind of kitschy. Yeah, you kind of, you, if I'm remembering correctly, you whip large you whip, bat creatures whip large while bat creatures sort of zombies. 80s metal yeah, music plays. Exactly, yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> but as like a five-year-old, you're like, oh my God, like... It's Frankenstein, man, or like this is a floating head. Yeah, compared to Super Mario, Castlevania right. could be terrifying. Right. Absolutely. So, did you ever uh, shift away from Nintendo, or has it always kept your loyalty because of their great characters? I think I think I was, I've always been a Nintendo fanboy, but I think around the Mortal Kombat controversies, I started to drift towards Sega because there was blood in Mortal Kombat on Sega Genesis. <laughs> so you'd pass through. And that through. mattered so much. <laughs> the Castlevania Horizon had passed. Right, exactly. Yeah. I needed I needed to rip off somebody's head, and I remember <laughs> that mattering so much. <laughs> if Luigi's spine just came out, right, and it killed him. Yeah, like Nintendo, they don't want us to see the real games. <laughs> also, it was the same game. It was the same game with different fatalities. Yeah. Um, so I remember I got, I was actually offered when I was a kid, like my parents were like, okay, and I forget which birthday this was, but not a later birthday, but my parents were like, hey, you can either have a birthday party or you can get a Sega Genesis. And I was like, oh, I'm a Sega Genesis. I don't know. <laughs> Who cares about friends? And that was actually my last time I ever got offered a birthday party. <laughs> really? Yeah. Was it a sort of social experiment test from your parents of like, let's see if he's too into video games because we'll know he has a problem if he says no, no to socialization? I think it was more like they, that as a kid, a video game console was the most expensive thing in the world you could buy. Right. But I'm sure to them, they were like, they did the math in their heads and they're like, yeah, $200 is less than the cost of a birthday party. Right. We you have know? to cake and pizza, 18 kids. Right. You rent like a bowling alley, like three lanes at a bowling alley. And yeah. you get cake, you get pizza, you got to organize it. That's more. That's harder than a video game console. We'll just get them the console. Um, I don't think it was a social experiment. Uh, weirdly, my parents were never worried about me playing video games, but they were worried about like the content of those games. Okay. Um, not, not even the violence. My mom was sort of a religious woman, so she was always worried that, like, in, you know, games like Dragon Warrior or anything involving dragons or demons, that it was, like, a satanic influence. Was that kind of holdover of the old D&D panic so. of the 80s? I think so. I think, um, I think it was a holdover of that. I think also just as, like, a Catholic woman, she thought, like, any reference to dragons was, like, Satan-related. Okay. So, and I always had to, like, like, no, I fight the dragons. I'm not a dragon. <laughs> and then Bubble Bobble, you're a dragon, but you're a cute dragon, so it doesn't matter. But I think, um, I think she that's was... That's the way Satan would do it, though. That, that's the way Satan dragons. would do it. I think she was legit worried that I would play, like, that or D&D, &D and I would, like, 
you know, you play Dungeons and Dragons and then you worship Satan. Yeah. Like it's one, it's the gateway drug. <laughs> so, so you had your Sega period and then obviously you're, you play online games now. Yeah. Do you still have a Nintendo loyalty? I do. I do. I have a Nintendo uh, Wii U. I play it a lot. I still have in my backpack, I have a 3DS. I have a Game Boy Advance Micro. Wow. Um, I just, and I carry around, <laughs> I carry around a lot of, I always pack like I'm going to grandma's, even though I have a job. <laughs> when, uh, this is a true story. When I was at Fallon, um, we had the first lady on a couple times. And awesome. when you have the first lady on, you know, there's security's much tighter. So you have to go through, even though you work there, you have to go through secret service. They have to go through your bag and they're professionals. They're cool about it. Yeah. You know, like they know that you don't want to do this. They don't want to go through your stuff, but that's their job. And the first time it happened, the guard was going through my bag and he like looked at me and he was like, why do you have so many video games in your bag? <laughs> Aren't you going to work, dude? Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I broke the secret service by having so many video games in my backpack. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. Were, were they just sort of joking or were they demanding an explanation? They were just joking. Like, I okay. think he was more like, you're, an, you're a man. Why are you doing this? <laughs> like, it's like six in the morning. Why are you? You work here. Yeah. And so to his credit, that's a good question. Is it because you just always want to be ready in case like one of them fall, falls apart or? I think it's like, I think it's, there's a comfort to it. There's a comfort to it that even though 99.99% of my days I don't pull it out to play uh, during work hours, there's yeah. like maybe I'll get bored or maybe I will need it. Or, you know, I just downloaded something new in the eShop and if I have five minutes, I'm definitely going to play it. Um, there's a comfort to it. It's not like a security blanket where if I forgot my 3DS at home, I'd panic. Yeah. But it's more like. It's cool to have. It's almost like people who carry around their iPad but never use it. It's like, I just want to know that I have it there in case I need it. Yeah, I, that sounds totally reasonable. Yeah. So you you grew up loving it. It, you, it stuck with you. And then at some point you worked for Nintendo. Yeah. How did that happen? Um, I was I was doing stand-up. And my friend who was a uh, comedian had started working there like two or three years before. And he said, hey, they're looking for new writers. And they want funny writers. Because in video games, it's... There's a lot more people who know how to write, like, serious than know how to write funny. Right. And the people who often think they know how to write funny aren't that funny. Now, this isn't true for everybody. Like, you have people like Tim Schafer who are amazing and very funny, but a lot of people in games don't write funny that well. So Nintendo wanted someone who was kind of humorous to work on, I think specifically their Kid Icarus game, which I worked on. And so I applied and I, you know, interviewed and I didn't think I would have been hired and they hired me. And I moved across the country. I moved from New York to uh, Seattle and worked at Nintendo. Oh, wow. Yeah. So you, you were mainly writing the text of the game? The English text. I was what was called a localization editor. Okay. And this was before, you know, like all the controversies about like games that were like changed or not changed. Um, I was there for about two years. And what my job was, was I would be paired with a Japanese translator and we would go through the Japanese text together and I would rewrite it so it makes sense to an English audience. Okay. And it wasn't like we would, you know, change it or anything. Like I never censored anything. It was more like, you know, does this culturally make sense? Or this character has made a joke that Americans wouldn't get because they don't live in Japan. Yeah. And so my translator would be like, okay, well, the equivalent of this joke would be this. Or like this character is, okay, or this character acts, has an accent that is sort of rough and tumble in this neighborhood. And I'd be like, okay, maybe it's like a Brooklyn accent. So a lot of it's not just translating. It's also like, how does this make sense to people who don't live in Japan, who aren't from Japan? You know, even design choices, like, you know, a character, I've used this example before, but like, you know, a lot of characters in high schools, if they're like the captain of a team, they'll like wear a red armband, but it looks Nazi-esque. 
Right. You know, and you're and and you and the thing is, like visually, what they're trying to say is, we want you to look at this character and know everything about him based on how he's dressed. And sometimes an American audience could look at the same character dressed the same way and be like, "Okay, I don't know what that means." <laughs> yeah. And so there's some of that, and you know, the big complaint against that is, is that that censorship or it's changing the artist's original vision. But at least at Nintendo, when I was there, you're working with the developer who right. usually speaks English. Most developers in Japan speak English, but they're like, okay, we want to make this make sense to everybody. Like, right. if you, if you, you know, we, we'd even suggest changes, and they would be like, why, why? Like, we don't understand why you'd change that. And we'd be like, well, this reason. And sometimes they'd be like, no, we'll keep it this way. And sometimes they'd be like, oh, that makes sense. Let's change that. Yeah, so it seemed like they were still getting the spirit of what they wanted yes, across. exactly, exactly. And especially, like, with some of the Zelda games, it feels like, well, nothing's too normalized right you're still definitely there's no doubt that this is coming from a different culture and from like a slightly different perspective right yeah i think i went on about this to you the first time we met but uh the like there's some dialogue in zelda i love like that the one that always sticks in my mind is the i'm sorry to speak to you from such a high place yeah it's a character who's asking for something above you and like right that makes perfect sense in english but that's still clearly right not a normal cultural thing to say was there stuff like that in Kid Icarus where it was still like that kind of weird flavor? Absolutely. And we try to keep it weird and keep it like we because you also don't want to homogenize it. You don't want to be like, OK, we've just done a word for word translation. It's it's finding a good middle ground. Yeah. It's a good middle ground where someone can go, oh, I understand what that means. But also I can tell that this wasn't just written by some random guy. Yeah. Um, which is why you work with a Japanese translator, you know, who also speaks fluent English. It's not just, you know, it's sort of like, OK. I've rewritten this in English. Does this live up to the original vision of what this person was saying? And sometimes it's yes, and sometimes it's no, and then you go back and change it. Yeah. Um, it's a very careful process. At least when I was there. I, you know, only speak for the time I was there. Yeah. I assume it's the same now. And did you feel like you got a chance to, like, make Kid Icarus funnier? Yeah. Like... Yeah, I thought I got a lot of jokes, and I snuck oh, in nice. a lot of jokes that they liked. We, you know, and the other thing, too, with a game like Kid Icarus, it was a back and forth where we're like, what if we do this? And then the Japanese side would be like, oh, that's a great idea. Let's do that. And, you know, the joke or, like, the visual gag might sometimes be reflected also in the Japanese. Okay. So it was, especially at Nintendo, a very collaborative process. Now, some companies, it's different. Like, you know, some companies, especially in the 90s, would buy the rights to, like, a role-playing game. And then they would do all the translation on their side. Yeah. Which could lose some of the flavor. But the way localization is done now is very, very collaborative. Okay, cool. Yeah. Do you have a joke or a bit that you remember from your time at Nintendo that you... Um, I named the character Groose in Legend of Zelda Skyward Sword, which is my minor claim to fame. That's awesome. Yeah, that's my minor, minor claim to, <laughs> to Nintendo fame. My favorite thing in Kid Icarus was they did these trophies that had descriptions. Okay. It was it was a game made by uh, a guy named Mr. Sakurai who also makes Smash Brothers. And okay. if you know Smash Brothers, there's like a ton of like trophies you can earn and like medals and blah blah yeah. blah he loves that stuff and so we did that in kid icarus too and i wrote a bunch of like little nintendo jokes here and there and there okay cool so like i wrote jokes making fun of zelda jokes making fun of metroid <laughs> like very gentle not like i slammed him in the own home <laughs> it wasn't like a roast of nintendo right yeah. exactly uh cool can you remind me who Groose is i've played skyward sword Groose is the long time uh, ago. asshole who lives in the village he's oh. the, he's, the, he's the big asshole with the giant red hair <laughs> so you did some writing for the village asshole i did some writing for the village asshole. <laughs> and that's the other thing about nintendo is you'd be a main on a project like i was one of the main writers on kid icarus and credited but you'd be uncredited on a bunch of other projects that you just like pitched in ideas for or like named enemies for okay and it's a very collaborative, cool environment. 
Cool. So obviously your knowledge of knowing Nintendo yeah. and having it be close to you yeah. paid off. So why did you end up leaving? Um, I think my stand-up career was going pretty well, and it got to a point when I had to choose between like the thing I was obsessed with, but the thing I also wanted to do with my life. Yeah. Um, Nintendo's definitely a place like in the future if they're like, hey, do you want to come back here? And I'd be like, oh, yeah, I kind of do. <laughs> um, but I just wanted to, I knew that it wasn't my last career stop, so I had to regretfully go. Yeah, which is a which was a really weird choice to like be like, oh, I'm working at the place I wanted to be at since I was a kid, but now I want to do something slightly different with my career. Yeah, and it worked out, right? I it mean, worked you, out. You yeah. didn't have any sort of window of oh, my God, what have I done leaving? I definitely have <laughs> windows of my God, what have I done? But I think overall, it was the right decision. And also, I left on good terms. Like I'm friends with a lot of people there. Cool. And I think it's a place that like it's a cool company. It's a cool company to work for, but it's also a company that is led by the Japanese team. You know, it's not a place where you can really like, you can pitch cool ideas and you can make things your own in your own way, but you don't get a chance to really make things your own. Right. You're only ever going to have control over a little slice. Exactly. Of like, I can have a little influence on this village asshole. Right. Which right. is cool, which is awesome. And it is a privilege, but it's also like, you know, if I had an idea for a game, I couldn't sell it there. Right. Right. So I wanted to ask you a little bit also about, I think the Wii chapter in Nintendo yeah. is such a big deal because it, yeah. it was such that spike of like, they've changed everything. And now it's kind of, some of that has floated away. Sure. Um, did you like the Wii? Did you lose your mind for the Wii? I liked the Wii. I thought it was really cool. I think I saw the same limitations other people did. Yeah. I, I started working at Nintendo at the very end of the Wii lifecycle and when they were working on the Wii U, but before it was released. I remember really liking the Wii and thinking it was a better system than people gave it credit for. There's yeah. a lot of great games for it that nobody bought. Right. You know, like the punch out for the Wii is... I think the best Punch-Out game in all of the Punch-Out series, which okay. is, a, I know, a weird statement to make, but it's still, it's an amazing game. The animation's really good. That said, I see why people fell off with it. Like, it started with a big gimmick that slowly got washed away into standardized controls for normal games. Yeah. Did you use the big swinging motion of the Wii, or were you like many other gamers who instantly figured out, I can play tennis better if I just sit down and flick my wrist. I think I, I think like I always dramatically wanted it to be. And like, I think, you know, I'd play the Zelda games on the Wii for 15 minutes being like, I am going to stand with my legs apart and my arms in the air and I'm going to be a hero. And then like after 15 minutes, I'd be like, I'm tired. I'm going to sit on the couch. I just got tired. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think of the Wii is one of those things that taught me a little bit about myself yeah. and reinforced views of humanity yeah. that we mean well. Yeah, but... I, to I told people for years, sober and drunk at right. bars, like, man, if they ever make a video game where you have to move around, I'm going to be James Bond, right, right. Yeah. I'm going to be the healthiest guy ever. No. Nope, not at all. I will say, though, uh, have, it, have you played the, uh, the, the Valve Vive? Fucking, oh, sorry, my life's <laughs> Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah fuck yes. Um, the Valve uh, the Valve VR headset. I haven't played that. Um, with VR, motion controls work. Okay. They actually work. I think it's the promise of what the Wii had, but when you're actually, like, looking down and your hands are doing something as your hands do it, it is amazing. Yeah. It just took us to figure that out, I think. Because yeah. when you see it on TV, when you see your hands moving on a TV, like, there's a disconnect. Just weirdly, like, there's a disconnect when you're wearing a VR helmet and you're using a controller. There's weirdly the opposite disconnect where you're like, oh, this is so artificial. Because you're like, you know, you're wearing a, you're, you know, everything you look around you is the world, but you're moving with a gamepad and you're like, all right, this is fake. But when you're using hand controls and a VR helmet, it's amazingly cool. Okay, because you're, you're, you're physically you're moving physically your body. Moving and, like, it feels like, you're not feels like, but, like, the visual, what you're doing with your hands is matching what, 
what you're seeing your hands do. Right. You know, whereas with a TV, when you're using the Wii, you're like, okay, there's a character who's waving his hand when I wave my hand, which is cool, but it's not one-to-one. You know, it's not like I'm looking down and I see my hand holding something in the moment. Right. In the in with the Wii, there were the games and things that worked really, really well, and then right. those things that were so frustrating close to yeah reality and then but you couldn't move your arm a certain way when you're playing tennis or like it just starts flipping out and like (laughs) like chopping through itself yeah yeah i remember being frustrated with uh some of skyward sword in particular yeah uh and i i did the same thing as you is like i at first like my wife kindly uh got the game and knew i'm super into zelda right yeah like you go ahead and play it's like okay great Great, well for right now you can't sit by me next to the couch because (laughs) on on the couch because like i need and i would thrust my hand all the way in the air and then it got to be where i was playing along and finally realized that like i am without even realizing it doing the dumb erection bit right, yeah. of like it just sitting on my crotch and i tilt it up a little bit right <laughs> there's like, uh, uh, right. Uh, my sword skyward now yeah. uh yeah so i think it's fascinating that it uh that it changed so quickly did you ever injure yourself being so into a Wii? No, I, I've been to parties where people have. I think okay. I was always the one who's like, everybody put on your wrist strap. Everybody <laughs> the, heed the warning of the wrist strap. Okay, this is very serious. And then like people would like hit someone else with a controller <laughs> and like break their glasses. I was always such an asshole about it. Were you, is that because you were naturally safety oriented or were you being a, a company guy? I think I was like... being a company guy. I think I, I'm such a fanboy. Um, that I was like, oh, listen, they told us to do this. We sh- if, they, if the Wii warning said, like, kill your parents, I'd be like, everybody go kill your parents before we play the Wii. <laughs> but put this big plastic wrap on put first. This big yeah. plas- uh, I did not use that. I did not use the, the Wii plastic wrap. I refused to. That is where oh. I, I stopped. Okay. you Had you quit working then when they, there, no, when they introduced the big Wii No, no, I was there thing? when they had it. Okay. But, but people, some people there didn't use it either. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I will say that too, is like, the cool thing about Nintendo was that um, I know outside of Nintendo, it often seems like, don't they know anything else going on in gaming? How come they're so far behind different trends? But, like, everyone who worked there, like, owned the systems. Like, they owned an Xbox. They owned, like, we played Skyrim. Like, I was okay. there when Skyrim came out, and everyone was obsessed with Skyrim. I was there when Minecraft was in beta, and we were all playing Minecraft on our PCs. Or Alpha, even. Minecraft was an Alpha. Oh, wow. So, it was. it's a cool video game place. I feel like, you know, it, it gets a bad rap for being behind the times because of how old-fashioned a company it is. Yeah. But the people who are there who are really into games are really into games. Yeah. And it always seems like Nintendo, even if they fail, it's this very noble... We yeah. want to do something different yeah. and make yes. it unique. Yes. No matter what, which I think is awesome. They're really... Their heart's usually in the right place. Just sometimes it doesn't work. Yeah. You know, you have to fail... You know, people always talk about taking chances with games, but you have to fail sometimes for that to be a thing. Yeah. And they have failed a lot. And what do you think of the Wii U? I like the Wii U. I mean, here's the thing is, I like, I think the screen is like a cool idea that should have been a separate accessory. No, this is, I don't have a Wii U. This is the first Nintendo console I haven't owned in my life. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's like a big handheld thing that has a secondary screen. It's, well, it's its own console that hooks to your TV and then it, the main controller is a secondary screen with a controller on it. And it's not that uncomfortable, but it's also not that useful. Okay. The only game that it was really useful for, for me, was uh, Mario Maker. But Mario Maker was awesome. So it's 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 hard because it's almost like Nintendo systems are almost something you have to own in addition to something else. Yeah. And I know that a lot of people say that, and it's easy for me to say now that I'm an adult and I can afford all those things. But it's like I can't imagine just owning a Wii U. Yeah. But since I own a bunch of systems and the Wii U, I'm like, oh man. This is, I'll only buy one Nintendo game every six months for it, but it's going to be the best time. <laughs> yeah. Have, do you feel like you've learned that spirit of 
trying hard to do something unique for the sake of unique? Yeah, I mean, sometimes I think, yes, I think I do the same thing. You know, that's one of the reasons I left The Tonight Show to do this Bill Nye show was just like, I'm like, okay, I need to challenge myself. I need to do something unusual and crazy. And hopefully it works. Okay, yeah, you've given yourself a secondary screen. <laughs> right, exactly. I've given myself a secondary screen. I mean, I don't know if that's because of Nintendo, but I definitely have a similar spirit of like feeling like if I'm just doing the same thing for too long, I'm not making any progress. Okay. But sometimes that leads to catastrophic failures. <laughs> uh, speaking of catastrophic failures, it's a great segue. I wanted to ask, because it's such a Nintendo uh, joke, yeah. the history of blowing on cartridges to fix them. Yeah. And whether or not that works. I'm told it doesn't work. Okay. You, I am told it does not work. You Were you told that by the company itself? I think I remember I remember doing it as a kid. And in fact, I remember one of the things that excited me and my friends the most about Super Nintendo wasn't even the new graphics. It was the fact that the cartridges always worked. Okay. <laughs> I just, I, and that's such a distinct memory. Like I can remember the house I was in when we talked about it, like the friends that were around me and we were like, I heard you don't even have to blow on the cartridges. You just put it in and it works. <laughs> Which is such a strange thing to remember. Uh, I think I remember like either like an electronic gaming monthly article about it, like okay. some old video game magazine that was like, oh, by the way, this doesn't work. And me yeah. being like, yeah, we'll see. Yeah. Well, you're just saying that. I remember feeling empowered by it because it was something that I could do. Yeah. Like when yeah. other like like if the VCR broke, like what am I going to get a screwdriver yeah. or a soldering gun? I don't know. Like, yeah. but if there's a glitch in, you know, Legend of Zelda, I blow on blow it. Blow on it. It's very satisfying. Yeah. Uh, so do you feel like there are, did you learn a, a lesson from that? Is there anything else in life where you do the reassuring thing, even though, you know, it technically sure. doesn't have an impact? Sure. I mean, I keep a 3DS on me. <laughs> I carry a 3DS with me every day. You're backpack. blowing on yourself. I'm blowing on myself. I blow on myself every day to give me power. That is awesome. Yeah. Uh, would you like it if games needed something like that, that human input? If Nintendo, like, like this is yeah. our crazy thing yeah. for the next system is yeah. you do have to blow on you it. You do have to blow on it. Um, no, I wouldn't like that. Although <laughs> I will say that I am that I am. I, ha I feel like I'm that asshole that will, like, spend hours and hours adjusting a game on my PC to work perfectly. Like, okay. I'll like, mess with the sliders and I'll move the graphic settings and I'll have no difference in the experience. Okay. It'll make no difference to me. But the fact that I had to work hard to optimize it okay yeah yeah oh so so you do have that kind of gamer in you too of just yeah. the real technical kind yeah but it's i don't even care i feel like it's just a challenge like it's a challenge within the game itself right it's a mini game it's a mini game it's, it's a like okay how can i get this the most frames per second again even though it doesn't matter to me i'm not playing competitively <laughs> yeah I'm bad when i play competitively it's just something that feels cool to do yeah cool Cool. Well, since you like the characters and, and the Nintendo characters are so rich, yeah. and I think even at this point, people who don't play the games know a lot of them. Yeah, yeah. I wanted to ask you some questions about the characters. Okay. If Mario and Luigi were real, yeah. which one of them would you want to be friends with? Uh, probably Luigi. Okay. Um, probably Luigi, because he's like a lot of comedians I know where he'd probably complain a lot. <laughs> like, he's probably like, like, here's the thing is Mario's probably an asshole to hang out with yeah. because he's been the hero so many times. And, like, in games, if you play the Mario RPG games, they're always like, oh, my God, Mario's here. Like, that's not going to breed a good personality. <laughs> um, so Luigi's probably both bitter and always glad to be invited. So he's yeah. great to hang out with. Yeah. Uh, did you enjoy the Luigi Death Stare from the Mario Kart? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I gift? love that meme. Yeah. I love the year of Luigi. And I love Luigi's Mansion. That's a great game. Yeah. I never played Luigi's Mansion. Is that the one where he sucks ghosts into a vacuum? He sucks ghosts into a vacuum. And the one on 3DS is actually great. What makes it what makes it great? Is it um, more quality Luigi time or is it the gameplay? It's it's 
everything, the presentation, the gameplay, uh, the way that it sort of makes you creatively solve puzzles. It okay. feels more animated than a normal Mario game. Like, everything's really expressive. Yeah. It's just a really fun, beautiful game. It's almost it's a little Zelda-y in its okay. own way. Okay, cool. Yeah, I think you're really, really right. I, I would gravitate toward Luigi. I think yeah. a lot of people would just because of the underdog. But yeah. I hadn't thought of how cocky and annoying mario would be like Definitely. he would enter a bar and say right. it's a me it's me everybody <laughs> hey what's up and you're like uh, all right jerk uh so i'm i'm gonna have you play a game of fuck mary kill let's do it with donkey kong link princess peach uh i would uh i would kill donkey kong i because i never i've never really liked donkey kong you've I never been into it. i've never been into donkey kong uh i liked some of his games, but I was never a big Donkey Kong fan. Kill Donkey Kong, <laughs> marry Link, and uh, fuck Princess Peach. I think. I think uh, that that would be really interesting because I think that Link has almost always been portrayed as pretty resistant to commitment. Yeah, he is. But you know, if I was in trouble, he would be. He'd, <laughs> he'd be right there. He'd be right there, and you know, Princess Peach is you know pretty. <laughs> she is and uh, the worst answer <laughs> princess peach is pretty but she can stand up for herself she's yeah. got all sorts of weapons under her skirt she's got the frying pan, frying pan. golf club yeah yeah she'll take care of business so you said you liked some donkey kong games but not donkey kong himself i was never a big fan of donkey kong i don't play him in smash i, I okay don't, i don't know he always just struck me as like i don't know he always just i was like uh, why are you here donkey kong okay. like I, was, I i've never liked him Okay. Do you have something against giant monkeys in general? Do you not like King Kong movies? No, I don't. You know, I mean, I don't. Here's the thing is, I don't care about King Kong movies. I don't care about, and not like there's anything I have wrong with it. I've just, it's like, are oh, you wearing a fucking necktie? Who cares? <laughs> oh, you're missing your bananas. Like, I just don't care. I don't care about Donkey Kong. Okay, so his story is not compelling it's to you. It's not compelling to me. I don't find him an interesting character. There's nothing to grab onto. He's always just like, hey, I'm Donkey Kong. Like, there's no character development. Yeah. Which is, I know, weird to say about, like, a Nintendo game, since there's no character development in almost any of them, but I never liked Donkey Kong. But there is. I think there is, and Donkey Kong is, his main character trait is, he is angry. He's angry. Yeah. He's angry, and he's big, and, I don't know, fuck Donkey yeah. Kong. Yeah. Well, so- <laughs> <laughs> That's the Not, one takeaway you can take. Fuck him, but kill him. In, in, kill him, in, kill, kill him. him. Yeah. <laughs> um, now, for people listening who, who don't know Super Smash Brothers, yeah. it's just uh, it's a game where all of the famous Nintendo characters come together and you get to hit each other. Yeah, and they all fight. And they all fight, and Which it's great. big and ridiculous. Yeah. It's it is Mortal Kombat for Nintendo, and that is right. not bloody, but it's super violent. It's super violent. Uh, it's also cool because it sort of fulfills that childhood dream of like, what happened? What would happen if Mario did fight Link? And you get to live that out. Right. Right. So, do you feel you? It, it, I was going to ask you about it anyway, but yeah. since you said I never play him in Donkey Kong, yeah. like it's almost a character trait. Do yeah. you think that is a test of character when you have a friend come over to play Super Smash and <laughs> see who they pick? Do you feel like you learn something based on their their choice? Um, not unless they're, um, not unless they obsessively pick just one character. Okay. If they just pick one character, it either means that they're like, like sort of like I'm a pro and this is my character, or it means that they <laughs> only care about one character. Okay. Or if they're cheap. Um, I never, I never, I never really subscribe to the idea that, uh, you know what, I will say I'm weirded out by people who play as Bowser in Mario Kart. That oh, I don't okay. Because it's just, he's just a heavy piece of shit. <laughs> so that's just a poor tactical decision? Poor, I'm sure that, I know that he's heavy and he doesn't spin out as much or some stuff, but I don't love it. <laughs> so you, it, it sounds like in general you don't love the villains. I don't love the villains. I don't. I don't. Mario does not have great villains. Nintendo in general doesn't really have great villains. Metroid has cool villains. Okay. But besides that, I've just, you know, and it's also like that whole thing where it's like they're friends. You know, it's like all a play. Like Mario 3 is actually like a play and like they're all friends and they're okay. in different productions. 
I'm all, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, either you also, hate each other or you are do little plays together. And I will say being a Nintendo fanboy is a lot like being a Star Wars fanboy in that a lot of it, half of it is loving it obsessively and half of it's being like, this sucks in a way. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can certainly relate to that. Right, you know what I mean? Like, when you love Star Wars, you're like, you're like, I love this more than anything. And then, like, you're like, but man, this was stupid. <laughs> you know, like, you can love The Force Awakens and also be like, but man... Was it really Star Wars? <laughs> Wasn't Starkiller Base just the third Death Star? Right, well, it was the same thing, but it was also real cool. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you must have thought about this question before, yeah. but if there was a video game based on your life, yeah. since you're such a big video game guy, yeah. what would it be like? I think it would be not like a Nintendo game. I think it would be like an old Sierra adventure game, okay. like those old, old DOS uh, adventure games and it would just be like me uncovering clues to like find my keys that I lost in the morning <laughs> it would now, be really lame why why is it not in your mind as colorful as a Nintendo game I think because I'm not so actiony okay you know I think that I'm more of a meandering person which is much more like adventure gamey okay well are you are you willing to try to build the Nintendo game of your life I would build the Nintendo game of my life okay yeah. so we could start in the same place that it's okay. the sort of uh, getting out the door adventure. Yeah, yeah. Like, so it, it could, what would you want to call it? Like, um, I think it would be called Super Depression. <laughs> super depression. <laughs> It'd be called Super Depression. Okay, and the goal is just to get out, It'd be out of your house? Just to get out the door. It just, <laughs> just to get out the door. And instead of falling in actual pits, you just fall in emotional pits. <laughs> like, like you, you don't have, like, Goombas or Turtles. You have, like, pictures of your ex that, like, hate you on Facebook. <laughs> and then you die, and then you lose a life. And then instead of one-up mushrooms, there's like burritos. <laughs> uh, and is there is there a cheat code that you can put in to just get right out the door and on to the next depression adventure? Um, cheat code to get out the door. That same ex texting me, you want to hang out. <laughs> and then I'm like, oh man, okay, it's going to be all right. It's going to be all right. And then that's like the superstar in Mario where you're invincible for a few seconds. But as it's ending, you realize it's going to end. <laughs> as the music dies as the down. the music slows down, you're like, oh no. <laughs> and then you die. I'm Sarah Meyer, the co-producer of this podcast, and every week I head out into the streets of L.A. to find random people to talk to about the week's topic. So this week I'm in Venice Beach asking people about Nintendo. Do you ever play Nintendo? Honestly, no, but I did a lot when I was younger. Yeah. What was your favorite game? Mario Kart, obviously. What character did you like to be? Waligi. I think that's how you say it. Wariji. Wario. Wario. Old school Nintendo games? Yeah. yeah. I used to play them all the time. Oh my gosh, when I was younger, like very young. I grew up with boys, so yes, I I have played Nintendo, but this is like way back in the day. I would see my brothers play, but I would just sit on the couch and watch. I didn't even know what they were doing, so. Yeah. I thought it was cool, like the noises they make. Kind of noises, but I don't understand what it was, really. You always got to blow into the cartridges to make them work. You got to get the secret. You got to know the right, like how much to blow to get it to work properly and then you also got to blow into the machine like you lower the flap down and then blow into the machine too. Who's your favorite Nintendo character? Uh, Yoshi. I like Yoshi. Yeah. What is Yoshi? It's some sort of dinosaur probably. Yeah. Mario and Luigi are plumbers but we never see them actually doing their job. Why do you think that is? I feel like we're playing their undercover world maybe. Yeah. What do you think? Well, I mean, I guess they are kind of doing their job. They travel through the pipes. I don't know what they do in there, but maybe they clean it. And you don't really see. No, they're 
really terrible employees, I'm assuming. They're too busy saving the kingdom, or at least Mario is. I don't know what Luigi's doing. Yeah, what's Luigi's deal? His deal is he shows up when you have a friend. If there was a video game based on your life, what would it be like? Lots of obstacles. Uh, I'm not sure like what kind, but lots. Um, a video game based off my life? It would have to do with shoes, because I love shoes. Anything along those lines. I know that doesn't make sense, but yes, it would have to be along those lines. I love shoes. I would give up a meal to buy shoes. What about you? If there was a video game based on your life, what would it be like? I feel like it would be the one of those reality TV shows, you know, like the ones that Kim Kardashian and how they made an app about it. How do you win? I don't know, by hopefully graduating high school and getting the hell out of there. We're going to move on to our How Obsessed Are You questions. Cool. So I ask these of everybody on the podcast, variations yeah. of them. Do you think about Nintendo every day? Yes. Yeah, because it's literally strapped to your body it's, it's every day. It's strapped to my body every day. I read... I, I, I probably spend more time reading about video games than I do playing them now. Oh, because you're into, like, all of the sort of the journalism of, yeah, it, exactly, of what's coming yeah. out next, yeah. who knows what. Exactly. Awesome. Do you have or would you ever wear Nintendo-themed underwear? I have and have more. <laughs> <laughs> I think I have more than one pair. Tell me about your Nintendo underwear. At Nintendo, they have something really cool called the garage sale every year, which is basically they sell merchandise that's either old or they're you know, um, circulating out of stock or like old games that are, have been sort of like remaindered like books and they always had underwear. So I'd always buy a bunch of the underwear because it was like a dollar. <laughs> so it was a, a combination of practical and for the love of it. Yeah. And it was comfortable. It was good underwear. Yeah. Was it characters you liked? Uh, it was like Mario and Link. Okay. And you never got Donkey Kong underwear. I never, I would fuck never, that monkey. I would never get Donkey Kong underwear. <laughs> cool. Um, would you play a cooperative yeah. two player Nintendo video game with Hitler? Sure. I mean, you know, it depends on like, it would, it would be interesting. It would be interesting for the story also to see like if Hitler's like really supportive or if he's very <laughs> selfish, you know, like if he's like the guy who, you know, you play like, you know, Ninja Turtles and he'd eat the pizza even though he had a full life bar and you're like, what? Why would you do that? Like, I wonder how Hitler would play the game. Yes. Do you think you'd end up swearing at Hitler? I'd probably swear at Hitler. Yeah. I'd probably give Hitler the business. <laughs> 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 I think that's a good uh, pull-out quote. Uh, I'd give Hitler the business. I'd give Hitler the business. Would you dress up as your favorite Nintendo character at a geek convention like San Diego Comic-Con? Sure, I've definitely done it for, like, Halloween. Oh, really? So yeah. who do you dress up as? I've dressed up as Mario. Uh, I'm trying for this Halloween. I want to dress up as Mega Man. Okay. I had, I had a pretty big plan to lose weight that never really <laughs> came to fruition, so it just might be Fat Mega Man for Halloween. <laughs> That's fine. Yeah. Comfortable Mega Man. Yeah. So what was the experience like to, to be Mario? I think I did it in college twice, which is kind of lame to do it twice, but it was right, I think, right, right, right before people were doing it a lot. And so people were really cool about it. Like, people were like, hey, it's Mario. And I was like, yeah, it is. Um, it's also a very easy costume to throw together. Yeah. Like you just buy, like, sort of a red turtleneck and overalls, and you're halfway done. It was great. It was awesome. It was also in New York City when I was in college. So, like, in New York City, everyone's dressing up. So it's not like yeah. you're, you know, it's not like you're in a small town where it's weird when adults dress up, and you're kind of like, oh, like, everyone dresses up. So you're just in this big crowd of people, and everyone's having fun, and they're, like, strangers are taking pictures with you. It was cool. Yeah, that's great. I, I have never been to New York during Halloween. I would like to it's go. It's awesome. Yeah. It's very cool. Yeah, I would like to live somewhere where everybody does it. Yeah. I don't really do Halloween. I, right. I A girl invited me to a party once, yeah. and they're like, you have to wear a costume. 
This is when I, back when I lived in Minneapolis. Yeah. And all I had was something from a comedy sketch show where I had played a giant squirrel. <laughs> so I put on this giant squirrel costume and I just barely fit in my like little Subaru. Uh, and just everybody was looking at me like, what an asshole. Right. It's also, I feel like there's something like there's good costume parties when you're an adult where like everyone's really committed to their costumes and like people are creative and people spend money on it yeah and then there's like asshole costume parties where people are like look at it's ironic like i'm like a dead tourist and they put blood on a shirt and you're like man you didn't do anything <laughs> did you play the part of mario at all did you do any like lines um i definitely like in photos like did like a jump pose okay. like mario i didn't do lines just because i've always found uh charles martinet's voice kind of annoying I will, I will say that I liked Mario's voice more on the Super Mario Super Show when he had a thick Brooklyn accent. Okay. I've always, like, I always liked it. was like, hey, what's up? I'm a Mario. I always liked that. I didn't like the sort of more high-pitched Italian voice if okay. I had to choose. Well, yeah, your choice. Because yeah. it's much more interesting. He's like, what's up? Hey, princess. Hey, gabagool. And you're like, what? <laughs> yeah. To me, that's a much more fun Italian stereotype. Well, in, did he literally ask questions like, what's up? No, I mean, he'd be like, ah, princess. I mean, I can't do the voice. Okay, but, so, but it, well, the voice you're doing is delightful. It, it was very fun. It was, I, I prefer that Mario to the uh, high-pitched Italian Mario. Yeah, and the, the famous lines of the high-pitched Italian Mario are very declarative and making it all about it's himself. It's me, Mario. Yeah, yeah, it's not a, how are you? Right. It's all about me. Yeah, and all that started with uh, Mario 64. Yeah. Like before that, people didn't, you know, they hadn't no idea what he sounded like yeah they had no idea like archaeologists had to figure it out <laughs> people for thousands of years people wondered what mario sounded like then charles martinet was hired <laughs> and the mystery was solved and the mystery was solved <laughs> uh here's the next question yeah would you fight through a room of small bears yeah to play nintendo video games I mean, it depends. Like, do I ha also have them in my backpack? Because in that case, no. <laughs> <laughs> Let's imagine the bears have captured your backpack. Yeah, then I would fight through. If they're cubs and their mom's not nearby, yeah, I'd fuck them up. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, that's no problem for me. Okay, you get a couple of scratches, but it's right. fine. If they were, like, small versions of, like, Kodiak bears, but just as mean, maybe no. Maybe okay. I'd, like, go buy, go buy it. But you would risk, like, a little bit. It I'd means enough to you. It you would risk some physical injury? Yeah. Okay, awesome. Awesome. This is the last how obsessed are you question. It's Great. weird. I ask it of everybody. If you couldn't play Nintendo video games without you or someone you love first being punched in the crotch, yeah. would you still play Nintendo video games? Not as much, but yeah, I'd still do it. <laughs> <laughs> I'd definitely still do it. You are unstoppable. Yeah, Not I love bears. Nintendo. Uh, yeah, so in, now would you take the crotch punch yourself or would you give it to someone else in your I'd life? I'd give it to someone else in my life. Who would you give it to? I don't know. My dad? <laughs> I don't know. I don't I don't know. That's not a good answer. I don't know. I have like a couple uncles and aunts that I don't love. Okay. Fair enough. <laughs> People who, who owe you maybe a little they, bit? Yeah. Owe me who like when like Christmas came and you get a Nintendo game, they'd be like, let's watch real TV. And I'd be like, I don't want to watch golf. You're going to get crotch punched for You're this. You're going to get crotch punched. Years later. Yeah. So I can play Metroid. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Can you make a noise to sum up your obsession? Um, God, can I make a noise to sum up my uh, obsession? I I don't want to do the coin sound because that's that's a little on the nose. Okay. I wish. Okay. Do you know? Okay. It's it's it is the coin sound, but like it's like that da ding coin sound, but it's as you turn on the original Game Boy and that Nintendo logo would fall down. Okay. Like that to me is like the peak Nintendo memory. It's just that like. Little expectation as you see the logo, knowing a game is about to load up. So that little like bing, uh, the coin sound, but not coming out of a box as a logo appears. 
So the coin sound when the whole world of Nintendo is opening, it's not opening just that it. one. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's awesome. That's yeah. great. Uh, I have been rating people's obsessions. Okay. So I give it the number seven arbitrarily because great. I'll take, I like I'll seven. Take seven. I'll take so, seven. Uh, well, seven's the top number. Oh, great. Uh, and I try to give it some flavor. Okay. So I will say out of seven Luigi's, yeah. I think that you are like 5.5 Luigi's obsessed. I'll take it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'll take that. You seem very aware that you are obsessed that it yes. means a lot to you yes you're at a level where uh presidential security guards comment on it yeah 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 yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you have a couple of stops for like no that i don't i'm not that's not for me right fuck donkey kong yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's not they're not infallible but I, I love them yeah i will never not love them yeah and you play other game and systems other all game, that yeah. okay cool uh is there anything you want to plug uh tell people where they, they can find you on social media all that sure. kind of stuff uh you can find me on twitter at mike drucker m-i-k-e-d-r-u-c-k-e-r uh you can also i have two podcasts i have how to be a person uh, which you should do sometime <laughs> oh i'd love to and uh i also have one about hamilton called uh the room where it's happening also uh watch uh Bill Nye Saves the World on Netflix in 2017. That's awesome. And your co-writer on that is Phil? Uh, uh, Phil Plate, yeah. who is uh, the bad astronomer. Yeah, I love Phil. He's, He's a great really guy. He's really cool. He's awesome. Yeah, so it's, it's, uh, knowing both of you guys, it's super awesome to hear about you guys collaborating yeah, in that way. Yeah, it's been super fun. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, quick plugs for the show before our final questions. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram is at Joseph Scrimshaw. You can follow Obsessed Podcast on Twitter is at Obsessed Podcast. You can also follow Molly Lewis, the awesome musician who wrote and performed our theme music as at Molly23. There are two ways to support Obsessed. You can back us on Patreon and get exclusive bonus episodes every month. For full info on that, go to patreon.com slash Joseph Scrimshaw. Or you can support all the podcasts on the Feral Audio Podcast Network by shopping through our portal. Just go to feralaudio.com, click the support our artist button, and shop on Amazon, and some of the money will go to supporting Feral audio if people are going to buy something on amazon through the feral portal what should they buy uh they should buy a, okay there's a writer named jeremy Parrish who is like a game historian oh and wow he wrote, and he writes books about game boys like it's called like game boy 1989 game boy 1990 and it is awesome it's like this book that like details every game for the game boy that came out that year oh wow that and i read awesome. them again and again and again buy those books cool cool so we're going to move on to our final questions if you could have a lightsaber from Star Wars in real life, yeah. how do you think you would functionally use it? I would probably use it to open cans with it. I'd, <laughs> I'd, I'd probably use it the worst way. In my head, I always fantasize, like, I'd, I'd, cut, I'd cut up people. I'd be so mean. I'd be such a bad Jedi. I would cut up people. Oh, my God. And in reality, I'd probably be really afraid to use it. What if that is the title of Episode 8? Episode bad 8, Jedi. Bad Jedi. Bad Jedi. <laughs> <laughs> That would be terrible. Yeah, I, I wanted to ask somebody that question. I knew you were the right yeah. person for it, because yeah. I think we always have, as Star Wars geeks, those fantasies of like, yeah, I'd swing it around and immediately cut my own yeah, leg Yeah, I'd, I'd be so scared to use it. But if I, I would, had one, I'd use it somehow. I'd probably use it to like cut stuff, like maybe like clamshell packaging. <laughs> <laughs> like I'd, use, I'd use a lightsaber to cut open clamshell packaging. I would get these batteries out for yeah. my Nintendo Wiimote very quickly. It'd be so great. Awesome. Uh, next question. If you could fly, but you had to hold an object in your hand to do it, what yeah. would the object be? Um, probably 3DS. <laughs> <laughs> I never know exactly what the interview is going to be when I'm preparing these questions, but I was halfway through reading that. Yeah. Like, I know the answer to yeah, this question. Yeah, that's pretty, pretty easy, pretty cut and dry. <laughs> the final question for yeah. everyone on the podcast is, what is happiness? Uh, I, happiness is that brief moment where you forget you have work to do the next day. That's a great answer. Yeah. Thank you very much. Thank you. That is our podcast. You've been listening to Obsessed. Joseph Scrimshaw and his guest shared some stories with the rest. Rate five stars if you're impressed.
Uh, one of my other favorite characters is Wario because he is the asshole that Mario would be in real life. He's obsessed with money and onions and also in the Japanese side, poop kind of, I think. <laughs> and he also, he, his, his catchphrase is, I'm a Wario and I'm going to win, which is just amazing to yell in any, like any situation you yell that it's like sex. You could like, <laughs> if right before you orgasm, you were like, I'm a Wario, I'm going to win. It would, your relationship would end, but it would be perfect.